Welcome back to the podcast. Glad you are with me this week. Um, yeah, it's been an absolutely beautiful week, right? Uh, we've had sun and warmth, and uh, yeah, it's just been, it has just been absolutely fantastic, right? Um, so, uh, yeah, I am, I'm excited to, to get a chance to connect with you guys again here. And, you know, as we are, as we're going through, make sure you drop any questions you have uh, about what we're talking about today. Uh, you know, Mondays, we do kind of Sunday on a Monday, walk through a passage of scripture, right? And Thursdays, uh, we are doing Beyond Sunday School. And uh, so you're getting two podcasts each week here uh, on the Love Well podcast, and hopefully both of them uh, really help you help you take uh, those steps towards loving well, because you know loving our neighbors well, loving our enemies well. This this is the heart of what it means for us to to follow Jesus. Um, as we look at the world, we must see our neighbors uh, as those created in the image of God. We have to see our enemies as those created in the image of God. And so to love well really means uh, to, to love those people around us and to care for them and, uh, and uh, to treat them with the kind of respect that uh, those who have been created in the image of God deserve uh, and the worth that they carry with them. So hopefully these two podcasts each week uh, help you in that quest. I know preparing for them definitely uh, definitely helps me think about some things differently. So hopefully, hopefully these do as well for you. A um, couple of quick announcements. Tuesday nights, uh, I host Doubt on Tap with my good friend, Pastor Mike. Uh, he's a good dude, and uh, we have a great time Tuesday nights at Doubt on Tap. We've been uh, hanging out on patios uh, for the last number of weeks with the weather being great. But as the weather gets cold, uh, we are going to be moving our conversation to the Simple Theologian Discord. Uh, and the Simple Theologian, uh, that's the you know title of our podcast and the little uh, community of folks that we are building through Doubt on Tap and the podcast and everything else. Um, but our Simple Theologian Discord... Uh, is where we will host Doubt on Tap virtually as the weather gets cold. So join us there. Uh, you can find the link to the Discord uh, server on the Simple Theologian page. Uh, and you can get there by heading over to facebook.com slash simpletheologian. Or if you can't figure it out, uh, just ask me right here in the comments, and I will be sure to drop that link to you. All right. Um, as always, please, I encourage you, uh, head over here to danielmrose.com. Subscribe. Monday through Friday, you will get an email with uh, the Knee Jerk devotional. Uh, so every day, I, I, I take some time in the morning to read and and respond to uh, the scripture that I'm that I'm reading. And uh, so these are literally kind of fresh thoughts, guys. This is not uh, me having spent hours studying or anything along those lines, it is, um, you're getting fresh, you're getting fresh meat, fresh thoughts right here, uh, for you, uh, every morning, Monday through Friday, freshly tapped thoughts on God. So, 
uh, go ahead and subscribe and uh, have that dropped in your inbox. Every once in a while, I'll, I'll throw something else uh, into your inbox for you, but uh, I don't want to overwhelm you. Don't want to be sending you too many emails, anything along those lines, but danielmrose.com. Go ahead and subscribe, and uh, you know that would be great. Also, uh, you can find this podcast anywhere. Uh, you find it on YouTube. You can find it uh, on Facebook, and you can also uh, find it anywhere you listen to audio podcasts. So, uh, you know, give that a mash, smash the subscribe button wherever wherever you uh, have bumped into this podcast. And please, I would encourage you, uh, if you find this at all helpful, if you find this at all um, insightful, or even even just helps you learn something, please share it with a friend. Uh, please go to Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, rate and comment. Uh, that would be so helpful for me. Um, and uh, yeah, so let's let's get after it here. Uh, I guess before we do, um, you know, uh, yeah. Well, let's let's just get after it, right? And uh, let's let's dive in here. To beyond Sunday school this week, uh, we are continuing our conversation uh, on Vaughn Roberts' book called "God's Big Picture: Tracing the Storyline of the Bible." You can get it on uh, Amazon, super cheap. Definitely recommend it. Uh, it's a great resource to have as you, you know, as you continue to try to uh, understand the Bible and all that good stuff. Uh, this is just a—it's a fantastic resource. So. Definitely get out there and uh, grab a copy of this. Uh, today, we are talking about the partial kingdom. And uh, just so you remember where where we've been, uh, we've talked about the pattern of the kingdom, uh, which was, you know, Genesis 1 and 2. We talked about the perished kingdom in Genesis chapter 3. Uh, we've talked about the promised kingdom uh, this uh, kind of looking at Abraham's story a little bit uh, there in uh, Genesis, you know, Genesis 17, that kind of stuff. And uh, so here we move into the partial kingdom. And, and we begin to get this, uh, this fuller picture here of, of what's coming, right? And in the partial kingdom... Uh, we are gonna we're gonna cover a huge, huge, huge chunk of the Bible. Uh, we are gonna hit, you know, we're gonna go from Genesis to Exodus to Samuel, um, and uh, we're we're, we're kind of working our way through here. So, so what what's what's going on? Well, so far uh, as we've as we've talked about the way that the storyline uh, works itself out in the scriptures is we've looked at uh, three different things, right? Uh, we've looked at, we talked about God's people, God's rule and blessing and God's place. And, uh, you know, those are the, those are kind of have been the three pieces of the puzzle, but there is a fourth piece and it's here uh, in this uh, partial kingdom uh, part of the story where we, where we get to, learn about the next piece of this puzzle, and that is uh, God's king. Now, uh, 
early on in the story of the people of God, they were promised, you know, that there was the promise of a king. And this king, this king that God would select uh, was, was going to be a king who would lead with righteousness, with justice, and uh, with compassion and empathy and all of that, right? This is, this is, uh, this is the kind of king that God wanted. The problem is that uh, the people, uh, they were pretty impatient. And, and, and we're going to get to that, we're going to get to that part of the story here in just a minute. Um, but what do we, what do we have? Well, as we walk through, as we walk through this part of the Bible, uh, Genesis 12 through Exodus 18, uh, it really explains for us who God's people are. And he begins to really trace his, the storyline through, uh, through the fam, through Abraham's family, uh, Abraham to Isaac to Jacob and so on and so forth. And uh, in this, this takes us uh, all the way through Genesis. So God's people are this one family. And, and through this family, he was going to bless the nations, right? And, uh, and that's, that's, such an, that's such an incredible promise. And, and the promise is not just that he would bless the nations. The promise is that he would make Abraham into a nation, now, for Abraham and his wife Sarah, that was crazy talk because they were old and Sarah was barren. And yet, uh, at, the, at the ripe old age you know, of 99, here she comes. She's, she's pregnant and ready, you know, and she has, she has a child in the story. And, and so what we have, what we have in this, this moment at the beginning of this family story is Abraham's necessity to trust in the promise. God had made him a promise that, that he would make him into a nation uh, against all odds, against all hope, against uh, all natural understanding of anything. And yet, and yet Abraham had to trust it. And this really begins to be the, the, the narrative that we see, uh, kind of follow this this family, follow the people of God from here on out, is there's a necessity to trust, right? To be God's people is to be a people who trust Him. It's to be a people who who believes in the promise against all odds. So this is this is the story uh, that that we begin to see taking shape. Now the story is not just for a nation. The story, the promise, uh, you know, Exodus 6, 7, God says, I will take you as my own people and I will be your God. This, uh, this promise we see echoed throughout the story. We see it all the way into Revelation um, where we see it, where we see that, that line come back uh, to prominence at, at the end of the Bible, Right? You will be my people and I will be your God. That's, that's the beautiful promise. That's the thing that we're waiting for. Um, and, uh, and so Abraham, just like the rest of us, had to learn, had to learn that it's by faith and, and that we had to trust, that he had to trust God by faith and we had to trust God by faith. And, um, and, and so we have to understand 
you know, that there was nothing special about Abraham. He was just some guy. He was just some guy that God called. And, uh, and God decided to use Abraham and his family to bless the world, to bless the world by showing them uh, that, that there is grace, that there is mercy, that there is compassion, and that there is love, and that God would make good on his promises. So, so God's people are reflected in this one, this one family. And, uh, and, and so from there, right, we get, we get God's rule and blessing in this, this time of the partial kingdom. Now, what, is, what does that look like? Well, that's expressed in, in Exodus 19 uh, to Leviticus. And, uh, and so, so what do we get? Uh, what do we get here? Well, we get, we get the law, right? God's blessing, uh, God's rule and blessing is through his word and is through his law. And if the people... If the people would just um, would just trust and would just live out the law and, and obey it, they would experience great blessing. And if they didn't, they would face consequences. And it was hard, right? And nobody nobody perfectly fulfilled the law. And so God and God knew nobody would. I think God knew nobody would fulfill the law perfectly. And so there was a system put in place for you know for how to how you deal with. Uh, you're falling short and are falling short and, and the falling short of the people. And, uh, and we see all of that laid out in, uh, in the law as well. But the trajectory of the law is one of grace. It is one of mercy. It is one that points us back to the necessity of faith, the necessity of trust. It's not, all, it's not really about the rituals and, and all the things. It really does come down to this whole idea of trust and faith. And what we see in the, you know, what we see in that story that starts with the Exodus uh, is we see the God who delivers, and then the God who demands, and the God who draws near. We see this is the trajectory of the story of the people of God, right? So he delivered them from slavery. If you read through the uh, the end of of Genesis and the story of, of Joseph, uh, you you have a you see you see how God's people end up in Egypt, and uh, and yet that's that wasn't the promised land. Egypt wasn't wasn't what God promised them, right? He didn't he didn't promise them that. He promised them Canaan, and uh, but they end up there out of out of God's blessing, out of God's care for them, and and yet there comes a time then. Uh, when the Egyptians were were probably overthrown, and a new royal line uh, comes to comes to power that doesn't know of Joseph and doesn't know of the Israelites, and just sees them as a danger, and uh, and, and so uh, they enslave the Israelites. So what happens? Well, the story of the Exodus is God delivering the Israelites from the hand of Egypt, from their slavery. So we see this picture of the God who delivers from slavery. Now, there is a greater slavery that we all experience, the slavery, the slavery to sin, the slavery to our sin sickness, to, our, to what is happening inside of us, right? And, and God can deliver us from that as well. And, and Exodus points us even in that direction. But we get this picture of the God who delivers. But he doesn't, he doesn't deliver us with a cheap grace. 
He is a God who demands. He demands that his people, who he delivered, who he loved, he demands that they would live life of justice, lives of righteousness. This, This is the life that God demands from us. The same life that he demanded from them, he demands from us, right? To do justice and to walk humbly with him. This is what the law at Sinai is calling them to. This is, this is what we are supposed to be about. And so, so he is the God who demands. He is the God who delivers, and he is the God who demands. But not only that, he is also the God who draws near. And that gets us to our next, our next piece here, the place. Where is God in all of this? Well, he is in the tabernacle. He is in this tabernacle, this traveling, this traveling tent. That, that went everywhere with the people where God dwelled among his people. So he is not a God who is far off. He is not a God who sits atop a mountain and is looking down at the people and, and is judging them or is looking at them as some sort of uh, bit of entertainment. No, no, this is a God who dwells among us. The God who draws near. What a beautiful picture. The God we serve draws near to us, right? And and doesn't that remind us of another story that we heard all the way back in Genesis chapter 1 and 2, right? The God who draws near, the God who was present, the God who walked in the cool of the day with Adam and Eve. This is the God that we are following. This is the story of the God who draws near, who wants to be with his people, He's not just asking his people to go do something. No, he is, he is drawing near to his people. This, my friends, is the beautiful God whom we serve. This is the God that we get to follow. And, uh, and so we, we get to see, we get to see this, this picture painted of the God who draws near uh, in the tabernacle. So we have the God who delivers. Uh, we have the God who demands something from us because it's not a cheap grace. Uh, but then also the God who draws near. He's able to draw near because of the sacrifice, because, because we are able to be cleansed through his deliverance by faith. And this ultimately gets done in the person of Jesus, who is the ultimate tabernacle, who is the ultimate, uh, the ultimate expression of God dwelling among us, of God living with us. This this, do you see how the story begins to build? Do you see how the story begins to take us towards this beautiful, this beautiful climax of the cross and of the resurrection? This is where we are going. This is, this is the trajectory, and it's pretty, it's pretty awesome. Uh, so, but the story continues, right? And, and we have this, we kind of have this, this thing where in Deuteronomy, we have blessings and curses. We get to see this picture of, of what's happening. In Joshua, you have the conquest of the land. And, uh, and you, see, you see God bringing the people back into Canaan, back into the promised land. And, and, and this, is, this, is a, this is an amazing time of fulfillment of God's promises. So now that the people are in the land, uh, you know, what do we have? You know, how does, how does this work itself out? Well, we, we experience a partial fulfillment time uh, under the judges, right? God raises up judges, and it is this cycle of sin and grace. 
the people forget God. God raises up a judge. The, the people come back to faith in, the, in their God. And then there is grace, right? And then what happens? Another cycle. And you read through Judges, and it is this cycle over and over and over again. And, uh, and so then we get to the story of Samuel, the last judge. The, the, you know, he's, he's the final judge in the story. And I think this is the, abs- this is the turning point. This is the turning point of the, of the story of the people of God. They are not, they're not satisfied. You see, um, uh, God had a picture in his, in his mind, in his economy of what a king should be. God's king. And really, ultimately, he wanted to be their king. The idea really, truly, was for God to be the king of his people. But in 1 Samuel chapter 8, uh, we have the turning point. We have the people who are saying, listen, Samuel, your kid, you're old. You're about to die. Um, you know, your five-year your five plan is to not to die because you're old. And uh, your, sons are, your sons are idiots. Uh, they are not fit to, to lead us. They're an absolute disaster. Uh, these were kind of, these guys were, I mean, yeah, Samuel's kids were, were a mess. You think pastor's kids today are, are crazy? Samuel's sons uh, were probably the uh, patron saint of pastor's kids, maybe. I don't know. Uh, but good grief. These guys were, were off, off the rails. And so the people come to Samuel and say, we need a king. And here's the kicker. We want to be like all the other nations. And that, my friends, is the turning point. The people of God no longer wanted to look different. They no longer wanted to be special. They no longer wanted to to be a reflection of the Creator God who was giving blessing and bringing blessing to the whole world. That is not what they wanted to be any longer. No. They wanted to be like all the other nations. And so uh, we, you know, so, so God tells Samuel, give it to them. They want it. They want this king that looks like all the other nations. By all means, you give it to them. But know this, Samuel, they're not rejecting you. They are rejecting me. And then he lays out this picture, this awful picture of what the king is going to be like. It's, it's, it's horrific. It's just one of those images where you're like, really? This, this is what, this is what you want? Um, and the people are like, yeah, this is what we want. Let me read this to you. And, uh, you know, it's, you, you kind of hear this and think, what were they thinking? I mean, God, God gave them, God gave them an out. But here it is. Samuel told all the words. This is 1 Samuel 8, uh, starting verse 10. Samuel told all the words of the Lord to the people who were asking him for a king. He said, this is what the king who will reign over you will claim as his rights. He will take your sons and make them serve you with his chariots and horses, and they will run in front of his chariots. Some he will assign to be commanders of thousands and commanders of fifties, 
and others to plow his ground and reap his harvest, and still others to make weapons of war and equipment for his chariots. He will take your daughters to be perfumers and cooks and bakers. He will take the best of your fields and vineyards and olive groves and give them to his attendants. He will take a tenth of your grain and of your vintage and give it to his officials and attendants. Your male and female servants and the best of your cattle and donkeys he will take for his own use. He will take a tenth of your flocks and you yourselves will become his slaves. When that day comes, you will cry out for relief from the king you have chosen. But the Lord will not answer you in that day. But the people refused to listen to Samuel. No, they said, we want a king over us. Then we will be like all the other nations, with a king to lead us, to go out before us and fight our battles. Man, this is it. That's the turning point. And that's what they got. And really, all the kings, all the kings were like that. I mean, you know, the first guy, Saul, he wasn't, he was all, he was, he was pretty, he wasn't all that great. And then you have David, a man after God's own heart, right? He wasn't really much better. Let's be honest. I mean, this is a guy who, you know, raped Bathsheba, who, um, you know, killed Bathsheba's husband. I mean, he was a bad dude. He was a bad dude. He, his hands were so bloody that God said, you can't, you can't build the temple. You can't build me a house because your hands are too bloody. And, uh, and we get David's story in 2 Samuel. And then, you know, we get, we get the story of David's son Solomon and, and the kings after that. And all of a sudden, the, the kingdom rips and splits apart. And, and the monarchy comes to a crashing end. Uh, because the people, the people reflected their kings. Imperfect, broken men who simply led the people astray. The monarchy uh, ultimately is uh, best described as disobedience, division, and decline. God had fulfilled his promise. Under Solomon, uh, you had the full-on you had the full-on picture uh, of the promised land. Everything God had promised landwise, it came under the rule uh, of Solomon. And then and then it all fell away. Why? Because of disobedience, disbelief, lack of trust. Remember what we talked about. What is it that God demanded? God demanded trust. He demanded them to trust him. He demanded them to live lives of righteousness and justice. And these were the things that they did not do. And so what did they experience? They experienced exile. And the, the kingdom... The kingdom comes crashing down. We'll pick that story up next time. But let's summarize this, right? Let's, let's hit the summary. Let's hit the high point. God's people in the partial kingdom, the Israelites, right? The people that came out of, out of Egypt, uh, Abraham's family, the Israelites. They're God's people. God's place, Canaan and the Jerusalem temple. Ultimately, that was God's place because what, what did God do? God delivered, God demanded, and then God dwelt among them. He drew near. He drew near ultimately through the temple in Jerusalem. And then how did the people experience God's rule and blessing? The law and the king. God's rule came through his law, came through his words that they were to trust and they were to seek to live out. 
And then his blessing was supposed to come through the king. But the king, the true king, the king who was to be God, was rejected by the people. And they, they asked for something else. They asked for a king that would look like all the other nations because they didn't want to look different anymore. So, uh, that's where we sit here with the partial kingdom. Uh, the partial kingdom, uh, you know, under, under Solomon for a period of time looked about as good as it was going to be. Uh, but next time, next time we look at what comes next, after the partial kingdom is dismantled, uh, we have the prophesied kingdom. And that takes a whole different spin on this. So, my friends, uh, come back next week. And remember, do me a favor. Share this. Uh, let, you know, if this has been helpful to you, let someone else know. And, uh, you know, remember, make sure you subscribe uh, to danielmrose.com and uh, catch my knee-jerk devotionals. And I'd encourage you to share those with somebody uh, as well. Uh, but until next time, love well, my friends.